What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Like to chase upside in fantasy football. That's something you can certainly do in the middle of your draft. Today we're going to focus on rounds four through six. And Jamie and I both have three players that we think have the most upside and are currently being drafted in rounds four through six in a 12-team league. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Monday edition of Fantasy Football Today. Today we have upside. Tomorrow, Dynasty with Heath. Wednesday, we'll talk about floors. And Thursday, we are planning on having a listener mock draft. There will be no show next Monday for Memorial Day. Jamie is coming to us live from Sports Paradise, South Florida, where the Heat and the Panthers are red hot. What's it like being a South Florida sports fan? Right? I mean, no, you don't root for those teams. Well, you root for the Heat, right? A little bit? Yeah, you know, since I stopped... Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, the the people that have followed us forever. Um, I used to cover the NBA a little bit for our site when I first started here, which is going back to two thousand six, two thousand seven. So, like the the Heat, Heat championship runs back then, and I covered the Heat for the Palm Beach Post, was where I worked before CBS. So I really lost, you know, any fandom for them. But now my kids are like, you know, rooting for them hardcore. Yeah, um, it's it's fun, and you know, rooting for the Panthers is fun. Um, not that I'm a big hockey guy, but you know, I'll jump on the bandwagon when they're playing well. Kind of like oh, you. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Um, oh yeah, I'm driving it. It is it is interesting though, and this ties in, you know, you uh, just the the run that South Florida's had, you know, with the NCAA tournament, you know, with Miami and FAU, and now these two, you know, teams and in, in the NBA and the NHL. Um, it's, it's, it's exciting. You know, you, you see people just, you know, talking about sports, you know, my kids play baseball. So I'm out, you know, at baseball fields all the time. And all the parents are, Oh, I stayed up to the four overtimes, you know, for, for the Panthers. I was exhausted and, you know, got to get home for the heat game. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun to be around those things. You know, that's what, you know, why we do what we do, you know, why, yeah. why we talk about sports, why people follow sports and follow us and we appreciate it. Um, you know, see if, uh, 
you know, South Florida gets an NFL <laughs> run. Yeah, that'd maybe, be nice. Maybe in the fall. Yeah, that's good stuff. Also, I hate the Heat. I hope they lose the next four games. But uh, <laughs> Thomas Schaefer and I both stayed up for all four overtimes. I believe it was 1.55 a.m. I sent him a text, or he sent me a text, and we celebrated. But all right, back to fantasy football here. I stayed up also, but that's just because I stayed up. Yeah, uh, really? Oh. Were you watching it? Or you just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, some news and notes for you. I, I Not a single news and note. There was a cool article about Trey Lance improving his throwing. I don't know if, when we're going to start buying into that, but he's an interesting player. We'll talk about him because we're also going to talk about Superflex. Uh, and he was the third quarterback taken by Chris Towers on a very risky Superflex team that Chris Towers put together. So we'll talk about I don't think we really have to get into notes. Let's just get into upside. Let's I did see this, this happen, the one thing, and right. I'll only bring it up because I'm doing uh, the AFC East notes, uh, AFC player outlooks uh, for our magazine that will be on the site as well. So those, those little player blurbs that you see, those outlooks, uh, they're in a magazine. They're also the ones on the site. About Ty Montgomery potentially being the third down back for – Patriots and what that could do for Ramondre Stevenson. You know, I don't know how much you want to buy into a 30-year-old guy coming off of, you know, missing 16 of 17 games. But Montgomery could be uh, uh, a little thorn in the side of the breakout for Ramondre. Yeah. That's interesting, you know, because I just never thought Ramondre Stevenson was a third down back or just an every down back that played on third downs. Uh, I don't think anyone did, but he was at the end of last year. All right, you watch, you listen to our podcast, you maybe you play some bets, you got your best bets that you got to follow, you love sports. The best way to follow all the action is on the CBS Sports app. It features lightning-fast live scoring for all major sports. You can track your favorite teams or just individual games and you have an interest that you have an interest in with the click of a button. And it's also the way I get my breaking news. You can watch live sports on the CBS Sports app. You can stay on top of all the latest updates. And it's totally free whether you have an iPhone or an Android. It is the easiest way to keep your finger on the pulse of every game that matters. Check out the CBS Sports app. Most upside in rounds four through six based on current Fantasy Pros PPR average draft position. And with a quick disclaimer that Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon, I did not include them in this discussion. I think you can make easy cases for them, but obviously their values are going to change once we get a clearer picture. So, Jamie, I'll let you go first. We, we both have wide receivers that are going in round four, uh, and you have the young, the duo of, comp, of uh, Christian Watson and Drake London. You say, you know, it's basically the same argument for both of them. You're looking at Watson, who's going 42nd overall, London 50th overall. I guess that's actually round five. Um, which player do you think, which your two wide receiver, Watson or London, has more upside? I think it's Watson, but you know it's they're 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 so similar. It's kind of what why I gave those guys to you in the, in the same range. I I think you look at you know you have inexperienced quarterbacks, you have some you know flashes of I don't want to say brilliance, but certainly productive performances in their rookie campaigns. And you know we know how some of these guys do based on some of the the rookie success, how that typically carries over. And I I think they both have a chance. You know, I think the biggest difference would be is that for Watson, he's competing with you know. I don't want to say lesser talent, but it's kind of lesser talent. You know, when you look at, you know, Reed and Dobbs and, and the other guys that are at least currently there in, in Green Bay. Whereas, you know, when you talk about Drake London, two other first round picks are going to command touches. Now, obviously, Aaron Jones can command touches, but Kyle Pitts being there, I think, is a, is, is a potential problem. And everything that we saw Drake London really do at the end of the season when he was playing with uh, Desmond Ritter, you know, that four game stretch. There was no Kyle Pitts there. So I'll give a slight nod to Christian Watson. I think he's going to be one of the more popular players and. Uh, I think what we'll end up seeing with both of these guys is 
the players that get drafted around them, and you look at some of the names, you're going to bring up one yourself in DeAndre Hopkins. Older receiver, questionable quarterbacks, you know, guys that are sort of, you know, also Rams that we've, you know, kind of drafted in this range over and over again that we think might still be good. You know, Keenan Allen is, is, is a name off uh, throughout there because yeah. I, I still like him. Yeah, you know, but that's a great one. Th- those those type of guys that we still have some hope for, Chris Godwin, you know, the, these these type of players that quarterbacks are are, are questionable. Um, why not take a shot on on the the second year guy that may just blow up, you know, and, and that's the hope. So um, I think both are very encouraging. I think you'll end up seeing Watson probably creep into the third round by the time we're you know done with drafts in August, and I think Drake London will definitely be a fourth round pick. Watson in the third round, hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm just not sure. You know, it's obviously just going to depend on love, right? I mean, on on Jordan Love and um, all you need is love. All you need is love. Yeah, I think comparing these two guys, Watson and London, to Keenan Allen is so fascinating because Allen, right now, I mean, if he just does what he did last year and what he's done every single year basically of his career, he's one of the biggest steals. He's a fourth round pick. He's 43rd overall in fantasy pros. Um, who would you take? It does it. Okay, actually, put it this way. Does the choice between Christian Watson, Drake London, and Keenan Allen, is it at all affected by what you've done in the first three rounds? In other words, I need an up I need a home run swing now. I can't take Keenan Allen. He's at best wide receiver twelve, probably. Um, but he's obviously got a higher floor. Does that does it matter to you what your current roster is when you make that decision? Um, I guess you could take that into account. You know, if you probably go a little bit riskier in the first two rounds, you want, want a little bit of a safer floor, like you said, with, with Allen. Uh, I like Allen better personally, just because I think, as you said, you know, what he's done and love the setup that, you know, Justin Herbert, I think is going to be a big mouse back. We'll talk about him in a second. Um, but also with Kellen Moore there, you know, just knowing that I don't think Allen is affected by Quentin Johnston. I think it's more Mike Williams is affected by that. So to me, Allen is, is still very safe. But you have to factor in age and clearly the fact that he missed some time last year as well. So, yes, if everybody hits, Christian Watson should be better than Keenan Allen because I think he'll score more touchdowns. But I don't think he's going to come close to him in terms of receptions. You know, there there can be a, you know, I don't want to say a 30 reception gap, but at least a 20 reception gap between those guys. And the same thing with Drake London. You know, if if you were to, you know, if, if the Falcons were to come out in camp, and say, we're going to play faster. We're going to throw the ball a little bit more. We want to be more up-tempo, more of a, at least a balanced offense. I think Drake London could be a monster, but you know what the case is. I mean, yeah. Arthur Smith isn't going to do that and change the way that this offense looks. So I think his upside is a little bit capped, but again, guys that I would like to have on my fantasy team. You know, if you tell me that I can go back-to-back rounds three and round four, assuming Keenan Allen's gone, of Christian Watson and Drake London, low floor potentially, but huge ceiling as well. So I, I, I don't mind taking that type of risk. Boy, I do, I think, in rounds three and four. If you told me rounds four and five, which is their current ADP, I could get much more on board with well, that. Well, yes, yes, I, I, I think you would prefer that. But I guess what I'm getting at is that if you want to take Christian Watson, I, I really think we're going to see him climb into round three. I, I just think that okay. by the time we get to when all these drafts are happening, you know, probably the quarterbacks may change that. So maybe, you know, take that into account when they, when they get all pushed up into the first couple of rounds, first three rounds. To me, that pushes them into round four in terms of ADP. But I think when you start to see receiver-heavy drafts, Christian Watson is going to be in that mix of the third-round guys. Yeah, first of all, I want to read a comment here from our chat from Aldwin. Uh, if the stream finishes and nobody's internet cuts out, I will make 17 new YouTube accounts and like <laughs> and subscribe to a month's worth of videos. 
Adi, so, that'd be great. I think you're in good shape today. I think I think we'll be able to to pull it up. Just kidding. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm good. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, let, you want to go to let's go to Hopkins here because he's obviously in this range too. He's a, he's my guy. So you said Watson and London are guys you're highlighting for upside. Like Hopkins, I, there's just no argument against his upside. Last year he was. Uh, wide receiver nine per game, and that was with three touchdowns in nine games. That was with Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley, I think, throwing one or zero touchdowns. Um, they were horrible. And he's been on pace. DeAndre Hopkins has been on pace for 170 or more targets in five of his last six seasons. He's finished top 10 per game in PPR in six of his last eight seasons. The two exceptions were the Osweiler year and 2021, where he just didn't get that many targets. But it's not a difficult argument to make. On DeAndre Hopkins, he's going 41st overall. He's going after Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper, ahead of Christian Watson and Keenan Allen. Uh, but, you know, look, it's it's simply if he doesn't get super old and if he can stay healthy, then he obviously has huge upside here. So I have a hard time passing on Hopkins, who still is performing like a, one of the true alpha receivers in the NFL for Watson or London when I think there's... I think there's downside with all of them. And Hopkins is still Hopkins. Like he's still incredible. So as of now, Jamie, it goes sort of against my fantasy philosophy of skewing young. I'm still taking Hopkins over those two guys. Like I certainly can see that changing, but you probably are not. Well, I, I continue to get a little bit more pessimistic about Hopkins. And I don't think your argument is wrong, but I do think that there is not necessarily a foolproof argument for his upside because – I know you like to reference this, and, and you started your 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 your, uh, your plea for Hopkins this way about saying that he still performed at a high level with Chase McSorley and Colt McCoy. That was with a different coach, and Cliff Kingsbury is gone now, and the system is going to change. And I think they're going to be a little slower. I think there's going to be less passing. I think there's going to be maybe a potentially terrible team here, and if he stays in Arizona, this is obviously the, the case. So you either have trusting a new system, new coach, new new everything for him. With Colt McCoy and Trace McSorley, or, or Colt McCoy and, and whatever else they decided to do there, uh, or trusting him with an injured Kyler Murray who may not be the same. Now, yes, he should still dominate targets in this offense, but we may see a little bit of a shift because, again, it's different things in place. And for me, when it comes to this, and this is the difference between him and Keenan Allen, Allen has same quarterback, healthy, and I think upgraded system. I think this might be a downgraded system for DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we don't know, but I'm just speculating, you know, with with a new coach that, you know, going from an offensive-minded guy to a defensive-minded guy and a first-time, you know, full-year full play caller. Um, for me, this is like I'd rather get out a year before as opposed to buying in still, you know. So uh, Dynasty, I'd be selling, you know, if somebody's willing to buy. Now, clearly, if he goes to a Kansas City, a Buffalo, teams that he would like to, you know, end up with, uh, a team that could still – throw the ball with a competent quarterback that's healthy, I would be perfectly fine with Hopkins still at this age, but I don't necessarily want to trust him in the spots that I have to draft him. I like that he's falling. You know, I, I think he was in that potential third-round conversation. Round four, I'd be willing to buy at this point still. Round five, I would love it. But, you know, you tell me I have to get on him in round three, like Dave in, in one of our drafts, and again, very early. But I know Dave drafted him at the 2-3 the, the turn, and that to me is just not anything I want a part of. So would you rather have Watson and London? I would, at this point, take Watson. I don't know if I'm at the point yet where I would take London, um, but I may get there very soon. 
Okay. Let's talk about a quarterback here that you're highlighting. 53rd overall, it's Justin Herbert. In the same range, Trevor Lawrence you can get. Who has more upside, Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence? Uh, I would take Herbert with his upside, but I, I I would not be surprised if Lawrence is better just based on you know what we saw last year. I just I I think we kind of forget just how great Justin Herbert was. You know yeah. I I know um, we don't necessarily talk about it as much as maybe we should, but you know the injuries that he was dealing with last year, the ribs. You know it, it seemed like he was just banged up all across the board. You had Mike Williams and Keenan Allen in and out of the lineup, and now you have a coordinator upgrade. You know the offensive line was really banged up as well. You know that's a I think a big part of this also. And they added a weapon, you know, and, and a potentially pretty significant one while really not losing anything, at least, you know, as of now, Austin Eckler's still on the team, Gerald Everett's still on the team. You know, so this is, um, you know, I, I think a situation where if everybody's healthy and Johnson is only the third quarter, third receiver, you know, I mean, think about the, the potential. Josh Palmer now goes to the fourth receiver or however that works, you know, three and four. Uh, this was a 5,000-yard passer. This was a guy that, you know, ran for over 300 yards. He had, you know, a, a couple of rushing touchdowns on top of it. And those all disappeared last year. So, you know, give him 300 yards rushing, give him the opportunity to bounce back to a 5,000-yard passer. And in 2021, he threw for 38 touchdowns, and it dropped down to 25. So let's just say that splits the difference. He's 33 touchdowns. You know, that's that's a pretty – or 30, 30, 31, 32 touchdowns, whatever the difference is. That's a pretty significant guy right there that you're getting at, at, a, at, a, at a great discount. You know, when you're talking about – he was the second quarterback in a lot of people's minds last year behind Josh Allen. You know, people were drafting him ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And so – Everything just seems to be hopefully aligning for one of the better bounce back candidates. And I do think he could be special, you know, so getting him uh, at a discounted price this year is, is pretty encouraging. Did you mention Rashawn Slater? I said the offensive line was banged up. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal. There's so just too compelling of a case, uh, you know, to not, to not recognize the upside of Justin Herbert, who just a year ago, or I guess two seasons ago, sorry, was the number three quarterback in fantasy. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh, some players a little bit deeper here. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's not rocket science to say that DeAndre Hopkins has a lot of upside and Justin Herbert, but still, I mean, great value on Herbert, round five. Um, but some players that maybe you, maybe you don't see the upside. We'll have to make a, a different a kind of less obvious case for Jerry Judy, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. We'll be right back on Fantasy Football today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
right, so far, Jamie's talked about Watson and London as a combo and Justin Herbert as upside plays in rounds four through six. Can we just stop there for a second? Just because uh-huh. I want to I just tie this in with Herbert when we talk about value. So just looking at the ADP that you referenced, the, the Fantasy Pros ADP, Jalen Hurts is the 18th player off the board. Mahomes is 19th. Josh Allen is 20th. Then you go to the next group of quarterbacks, which starts with Lamar Jackson at 31 overall. Then it's Justin Fields at 38 overall, Joe Burrow at 40 overall. So we're getting closer to where, you know, Herbert is being drafted. But think about it. Is it that much of a stretch that he's in that same group? No, of course not. Not for me. No. Not for me. Um, all right. So Jerry Judy is someone I'm very excited about. And cue the laughter about Cortland Sutton last year. It's pretty obvious I was wrong about that. One of the reasons I was wrong is I think Jerry Judy is just a better wide receiver than Cortland Sutton. He is showing it. Uh, so first of all, just some some basic stats. He was wide receiver 22 per game. But he had three games where he barely played. And in those three games, he had something like 54 yards total. If you took those three games out, he's averaging 15.8 PPR points per game last year, Jerry Judy. Um, that may, that would have made him a top 15 wide receiver per game. He did that on the lowest scoring team in football. The Broncos scored the fewest points in the NFL. Um, it was basically like the first six weeks Cortland Sutton was the guy, and then that flipped, and Jerry Judy just got so many more targets and performed outperformed him so, so dramatically. Uh, one of the things I like about him is that he was top five, he was up top seven in two categories, explosive catch rate, that is catches of 16 or more yards, and yak per catch. There were only two wide receivers last year that were top 10 in both of those, and they were Jalen Waddell and Jerry Judy. He profiled very similar to, to Jalen Waddell. So and that was, by the way, wide receivers with 50 or more targets. There are a lot of, I won't get into all of the advanced metrics, but there are a lot of really encouraging advanced metrics on Jerry Judy. He's going into his fourth year. He's only 24 years old. I think he emerges as the number one guy. I definitely see some reasons to be concerned, and this is not a downside show, but I could definitely see some pokes in the argument against Jerry Judy. But I think people might not be aware of just how encouraging last season was, and I think it's because he barely played in three games. So his stats for 15 games, and he missed two games too. His stats for 15 games aren't amazing. But if you put his stats on 12 games, you start talking about a really damn good season that he had last year. And I expect much better things from the Broncos who made two of the biggest investments in offensive linemen this this offseason, by the way. They added two offensive, high-priced offensive linemen, McGlinchey and Turner. So a lot going in the right direction for Jerry Judy, and it would not surprise me if he had a massive breakout and finally lived up to the potential, and you can get him round five-ish. He's 48th overall. Thoughts? I don't necessarily disagree. You know, I, I think the one thing that you'd be a little bit concerned about is there are potentially a lot of mouths to feed in this offense. And I, I know we talked about that at this time last year, but then Tim Patrick got hurt, and really K.J. Hamler wasn't a factor. So if we, you know, we said this following the draft. I, I think we kind of all expect Marvin Mims to be a better version of KJ Hamler in in that role. And if Patrick is back, and so now you're talking about maybe Greg Dolchich has uh, takes a step forward as a second year tight end. Cortland Sutton's still there. He's still a very good player. You know, I, I think as a complimentary receiver. I don't know if he's ever going to get back to his pre ACL form, which I think was what we were hoping for last year. I know you were very excited about that. So was I. Um, you're also asking Russell Wilson to, you know, support uh, a receiver to break out of this offense. And and that might be a little bit tough to trust. But I, I think just at the price, it's hard to overlook what he has to offer. And and I, I think it's encouraging by some of the things that came out, you know, 
following what may have been their version of leaking it to try and trade these guys, you know, see what they can get in return. But, you know, Sean Payton saying how he loves these guys. He loves Jerry Judy. He loves Cortland Sutton. Now, again, they may not have gotten the the, the value in return of, of any trade offers, but um, can he step out from the group and be, you know, you hear me say this a lot, be the lead singer with, with the yeah. backup groups behind, yeah. him, you know, so, you know, Sutton, Patrick, Dolchich, uh, Mims, Hamler, you know, the, the running backs in the, out of the backfield. We certainly have seen Sean Payton feature a receiver. I mean, you know, he had one of the greatest seasons ever for a receiver with Michael Thomas. And it was as a guy that could play inside and outside, you know, mostly on the inside. And I think Jerry Judy can profile as an inside receiver for Russell Wilson. So, um, yeah, I, I like it. You know, I, 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 he's one of these guys. I probably should have put him in the, uh, the show when we did Trouble Ranking because I, I struggle with how high you should go. And I'm looking at my rankings right now. I have DJ Moore 21 and, and Judy at 25, and I don't like that. I'm going to flip those two. Oh, you know, wow. I'm going to put, I'm, yeah. I'm put, you know, Judy inside my top 24 because I think he belongs there. And DJ Moore scares me by the minute, you know, just in, in Justin Fields' offense. I think he'll be fine, but I just think that Judy has a higher ceiling. So um, I would take the young receivers personally still over him of Watson in London. But I think Judy is right there with those guys. Yeah, I, I made a mistake. I said McGlinchey and Turner. And thank you to Don pointing out they signed Ben Powers. Uh, Turner, Billy Turner was a tackle for them last year. Who signed with the Jets as a potential swing tackle. But they did yeah, make two high-priced additions. These guys are probably better run blockers than they are pass blockers, but they're certainly going to add to the offensive line. So it's, yeah. you know, make, makes your argument very sound. Uh, and then final thing on Judy, uh, over the last five seasons, I mentioned that he was top seven in both explosive catch rate and yards after catch per reception. Um, there have only been six wide receivers, I think, over the last five years who have done that with 100 or more targets, and they are T.Y. Hilton, when he was great, Chris Godwin, D.J. Moore, Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, and Jerry Judy. So seven wide receivers, but it's a really good list. All right, let's talk about J.K. Dobbins, who is going 57th overall. Interesting choice here because I, of course, would say, does he really have a lot of upside when he is when he hasn't been a pass catcher? Maybe you think that's going to go up. But I think of like Nick Chubb, who's ne who's been one of the best running backs in football, and he's never what's the highest he's finished? Maybe RB8 per game in PPR? So it was an interesting choice of Dobbins. I mean, I could see great value, but we're talking about just most upside here. Do you see that kind of, I don't know, first round upside from Dobbins if everything hits right? What do you think? I, I just think that this offense is going to be much better. And and that's, again, you know, to, to what you said about no-brainer when you talk about, you know, Hopkins upside and Herbert's upside. Obviously, the Baltimore offense is going to be better because they struggled last year. You know, Lamar Jackson missed a good portion of the season. Um, they have added, you know, significant pieces to the receiving core, whatever you think about Beckham and Flowers, but they're, I think, upgrades over what they have, plus Bateman coming back. But I think you look at the the coordinator change, and I think Todd Monken is going to matter here for the running backs. You know, this is a system that has not necessarily allowed running backs to catch passes. And I think that Dobbins, even if he becomes a 30-catch guy, you know, gets to the level of what we've seen from Derrick Henry the last couple of seasons when he was more involved in the passing game, that only makes this type of player that much better. Yes, he certainly profiles more as a Henry, Chubb, non-pass catching type of guy because that's what he's been. But I think he's shown the ability to do that. He showed in the playoffs. You know, he had a four-catch game in the wild card loss to the Bengals. You know, so um, I do think that he has the ability to challenge to be one of the league leaders in rushing yards if they feature him to that extent. We'll find out what the touchdowns come, you know, with the running quarterback and Lamar Jackson, what he takes away from that. But we've seen this is an offense that, you know, Lamar Jackson threw to Mark Ingram once upon a time in his MVP season. He had five touchdowns that year, receiving touchdowns that season. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's that's something that can 
not something you want to, you know, hope for five receiving touchdowns, but you know, if he has a 10 catch boost, maybe or 20 catch boost, maybe, you know, gets again into that 30 catch range and can run for 1200 yards and maybe score 10 touchdowns. He's going to obliterate this ADP, you know? So does he have first round upside? A lot would probably have to happen. Does he have second round upside? I think so. When you start to look at the running backs there, it would not surprise me if he finishes in the range of an Aaron Jones, different how he gets there. Uh, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, those type of guys. Again, I'm drafting those guys ahead of J.K. Dobbins, but I love him in this range. He's just an easy guy to, if you go receiver, receiver, maybe something else in round three. If he's still sitting there in round four, please draft him. Does he have more upside than Cam Akers? Oh, yes. Does he have more upside than uh, Isaiah Pacheco? Oh, yes. Right. And those guys go not long after Dobbins. Does he have more upside? Does Dobbins have more upside than the guy I wanted to highlight, DeAndre Swift? In terms of upside, I think if Swift were to play his game and stay healthy and by his game, you know, just being the type of complete back that he has shown at times, then I would say if Swift plays 17 games in Philadelphia's offense and can somehow get involved in the passing game, then no, I would think Swift should be better. But uh, I would draft Dobbins first because I think he's safer. Yeah, so those guys, Dobbins and Swift right now, you can get them in maybe late round five or six, uh, maybe late round five, early round six. So, uh, you know, obviously, I don't know what to make of ADP right now. It's, it's, it is what it is. Your drafts could be so much different, but they're, you know, similarly ranked in full PPR. It's obviously a different equation in non-PPR, maybe even half PPR, but Swift is the guy I wanted to bring up, and I just feel like basically what you just said, I, the talent of DeAndre Swift plus the situation of Philadelphia. I mean, you consider the fit. DeAndre Swift, one thing he's been really good at in all three seasons is yards before contact per carry. He consistently ranks among the, the NFL leaders. If you look at running backs, you know, I usually do running backs with 100 or more carries. I did 99 or more carries because that's how many carries Swift had last year. Um, but in his three seasons, he's always among the leaders in yards before contact per carry. Guess what Philadelphia is among the best at? If you just look at their running back carries, forget about Jalen Hurts. They, they had the third best yards before contact per carry, even better than Detroit. Uh, so is that a Miles Sanders stat? I don't know. I think it's probably a Philadelphia stat. I think that he's got the potential because Swift is the guy that he is a home run hitter. He's had a 50-yard carry in all three of his seasons. He's had four of those in his career, which is actually a lot for someone who hasn't had that many carries. So, you know, his his explosiveness is unbelievable. And when you combine that with an offensive line that creates a lot of room and gives you a lot of yards before contact, you've got a guy who doesn't need that many touches to be amazing because he's going to make big plays. And he can do it in the passing game as well. Now, the Eagles were last in running back targets last year. I think they were middle of the pack in 2021. They'll probably throw to the running backs more this year. I can't imagine they would get swift if they weren't intending to do that. He has a lot of obstacles. Dobbins doesn't have as many obstacles. You know, he's got Rashad Penny, who's been a very good running back. He's got Jalen Hurts inside the five-yard line. He's got an offense that didn't throw to the running back. Like, there's so many, there's a lot of downside. But my God, man, the, the idea of getting a guy as talented as DeAndre Swift on the Philadelphia Eagles this late in your draft, it's so exciting. It's not that late, but it's still round six maybe. Um, I just think the sky's the limit. So I, that that's the that's our list, Jamie. So if we remove Herbert and we go Watson, London, Hopkins, Judy, Dobbins, Swift, which player out of those six, Watson, London, Hopkins, Judy, Dobbins, Swift, 
has the most upside? Great question. Uh, I would probably go with Watson. I mean, again, you saw just the uh, the sheer talent level, you know, and, and I think everybody said it coming out of, you know, the senior bowl, you know, go back to then when just the, the raw ability for a guy that, you know, played at, at the college that he played at, you know, so in terms of if he hits that stretch that he had last year, you know, again, it was with Aaron Rodgers to take that into account, but if he hits, he could be top 10 receiver, you know, so you can make a case that all these guys have, immense upside without question immense upside but i think if watson hits it just feels like he can he could break the bank for you i'd love to get some comments here from our audience who do you think has the most upside watson london hopkins judy dobbins deandre swift i still think it's hopkins yeah but again by the way this isn't who i'd rank the highest or who jamie would rank the highest this is strictly an upside discussion Hopkins might have the most downside, too. I, I, I was going to say, like, he, he could win both these. Yeah, arguments. I think Swift has the most downside. But Hopkins would probably be second on that list. But I still think he has the most upside just because he's DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. And he played like it la- as recently as last year. Hmm. Is he a Hall of Famer? I think he's a Hall Yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer. You don't think he's, a, um, I think he's an easy Hall of Famer? I don't think he's an easy Hall of Famer. <laughs> I think he's... He's. I mean, what a career! Uh, yeah. It, it, I mean, yeah, it's receivers are always so tricky. Um, I. I think for. I just want to go back to Swift for a second. You know, so I hope. I hope we get thirteen plus games of DeAndre Swift. And I think it's going to be a slow build for him because I'm going to guess the Eagles are going to be a little careful with him, knowing that there's the injury situation and they have bodies. You know, you, you mentioned the obstacles. I, I think Penny will get one of those surprising starts to the season, and then they work Swift in kind of slowly along with him um, because I think they'd rather see Swift take off as opposed to maybe Penny take off, just a gut feeling. Um, but I think we'll see, you know, Kenneth Gamewell, we'll see Boston Scott, we'll see them use all those guys early in the season. Then if Swift just starts to do the things that he's capable of doing, how do you keep him off the field? And then you have the contract situation at play. You know, maybe we get the Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley. I'm going to play a full season because miraculously I have money on the line. You know how that just seems to work? you know, for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot to like about DeAndre Swift at this price tag. If DeAndre Hopkins has a thousand yards this year, he will pass Antonio Brown for 24th on the all-time yardage list. So if he gets like a, tw- yeah, that he can't go that much higher. Like I don't see him getting higher than 23rd overall. He'd need a 1,400-yard season to get to 22, which is Art Monk. 23 overall is Brandon Marshall. Antonio Brown is 24. Right now, Hopkins is 36th in receiving yards. 1,000-yard season for him this year. He'll be 24th. Is that Hall of Famer? I mean, when you look at the names on the list, Brandon Marshall is eligible soon. I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Art Monk, Irving Fryer, Jason Witten, Steve Largent, Andre Reed, Torrey Holt, Julio Jones. Probably a lot of Hall of Famers on there. Anquan Bolden's not a Hall uh, Anquan Bolden, yeah, he's eligible. He's not a Hall of Famer. No. He's, uh, a receiver. I guess he's not an easy Hall of Famer. He's not. No, he's he's He's, <laughs> he's in the discussion I, for sure, but he's not an you, easy you, one. You put him in. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm taking him out. I'm taking him out. I'm putting a group vote on it for Hopkins. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Superflex and read your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Also, come on. We got some people in the chat here. Haven't gotten a lot of answers. Who has the most upside? I got an answer for... I got a... What is Swizzles? Is that, is that Swift? Uh, I would assume so. Dobbins. 
And that's it. Two people. Two people. That's it. All right. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. And we're back to finish up our Monday episode of Fantasy Football Today. Looking at the Superflex mock drafts we did. Really, it was May and was our first Superflex of the year? Uh, it was our first following the draft. Oh, okay. It was, our, it was certainly our... We've done some Dynasty Superflexes. I don't remember how many... Non-dynasty, but uh, four of the first five picks were quarterbacks. This was PPR, start three receivers, two running backs, a flex, tight end, and the super flex. Uh, four of the first five picks were quarterbacks. Justin Jefferson went third overall. Nine quarterbacks went in the first round, including Anthony Richardson to Schaefer, who we'll have to ask yeah. him about that, 11th overall. Um, what else can I tell you? The three non-quarterbacks in the first round were Justin Jefferson third, Christian McCaffrey, sixth, and Jamar Chase, seventh. The manager who picked third, you can take a look at the spreadsheet if you're watching on youtube.com slash today. Marone Berkson. He ended up with Tua Tungavailoa in round two and Derek Carr in round four. So he went Jefferson, Tua, Lamb, and Carr. What was that? What did I miss there, Shaver? <laughs> you just made a change to Jeff. Oh, it said Jamar Jefferson was his pick at third overall. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You changed that to Justin Jefferson. That was good. Um, yeah, what do you think about that start? Jefferson third instead of Josh Allen. So it went Mahomes, Hurts, then Jefferson. Jefferson, Tua, Lamb, Carr. And and his running backs are Najee Harris and Khalil Herbert, A.J. Dillon. What did he do in round three? I can't see it on the... C.D. Lamb. So he went C.D. Lamb. So if he had gone Jefferson, Tua, Cousins, I might like that a little bit better. Uh, he could he have done that? Oh, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So then he comes back in round four instead of Derek Carr, and he takes Calvin Ridley or Chris Olave. Like, I think I like that start better in this format. Um, okay. I, I'll say this. I mean, I, uh, I cannot tell you that. I don't know if you feel the same way. I cannot tell you that there is a tried and true winning super flex strategy. I've seen teams take two quarterbacks really early and win. I've seen teams pretty much punt on quarterback and win. It's just, it, I 
don't know what the right solution is. I know I want at least one great quarterback and probably two top 15-ish, which I did not accomplish. I don't think I accomplished this draft. Uh, what do you think? No, I agree with you. I don't think there's a tried and true formula. You know, the, the thing that we've seen about quarterbacks is there's, there's typically a guy that comes from the non-top 12 and has a great season. Then there's always a guy that has a five or six week plus stretch that has solid performances. Like last year, for example, Geno Smith, you know, those type of guys. So it's clearly better if you have great quarterback play and then you just, you know, hit on some of these, you know, quality players. But I know there was one year where Heath won our Superflex league and he he likes to, I think, follow the strategy almost all the time, which he somewhat did here. He didn't take his first quarterback until the fourth round uh, where he just punts on quarterback and and waits it out and then just takes a bunch. And you see what he did here. He took Kyler Murray. He took Jimmy Garoppolo. He took Kenny Pickett. He took Mac Jones and Will Levis. And so if you love his team and we can go through his team, then you just have to hope you get two decent quarterbacks and the rest of your roster kind of carries you through. Okay, yeah, let's go through Heath's team. So Heath had the seventh pick, and he went yes. Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill with his first two picks, Josh Jacobs, who he has as a top three running back, in round three, and then Kyler Murray, which is obviously going to really swing his season, you would think, in round mm-hmm. four. He didn't take another quarterback until round eight. So Chase, Hill, Jacobs, Kyler, Miles Sanders, Debo Samuel, Dallas Goddard, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Pickett, Antonio Gibson, Mac Jones, Will Levis, Rashad Bateman, Ezekiel Elliott. I know that's a lot of names, so let me give you a starting lineup. Starting lineup is Kyler Murray and either Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, Kenny Pickett, or Will Levis. Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones. Just keep that in mind. That's true. I keep, I'm putting Kyler in the starting lineup. Maybe I shouldn't. Um... Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel, Dallas Goddard at tight end. And he doesn't really have great flex options because most no. of his bench is quarterbacks. So right now he has Antonio Gibson or Rashad Bateman or Zeke. He also drafted Jalen Hyatt, rookie for the Giants, wide receiver. Um, so obviously he's got tremendous running backs and wide receivers. Jacobs, Sanders, Chase Hill, Debo. It's amazing. Dallas Goddard at tight end. I'm not, I can't sit here and say this is a good or a bad team. I just Superflex is just wild. I, I wouldn't do this, but what about you? Um, I, I don't know if I would have probably waited as long as he did to take a second quarterback, and I probably would have preferred to have Jimmy Garoppolo as my third quarterback, you know, and, and, and the potential starter. So, you know, again, to, to look at what he could have done, you know, maybe instead of Goddard taking a quarterback there or, you know, Instead of maybe Debo Samuel, quarterback there, you know, not that there were great options, but at least, you know, you take a shot, somebody that could help you. So, I, you know, I look, he's going to have an advantage on, on almost everybody at running back and receiver if everybody's healthy. But like you said, he's put himself in a position where the waiver wire is going to be huge for him. Not that it's not for everybody, but which quarterbacks is he dropping? You know, does he drop Mac Jones if he remains a starter for – the Patriots all season long. Does he drop Kenny Pickett? You know, those guys will be picked up in a heartbeat, you know, so really only has one guy to drop and that's Will Levis. And so now you're, you're, you're talking about having to, you know, find some gems while not necessarily turning over your roster. Yes. He'll drop Zeke. If he's not signed, you can move on from Bateman and Hyatt, Bateman and Hyatt. But again, it just put yourself in a tough spot because you got to carry those quarterbacks in this league. Was there a range of quarterbacks that you were looking at 
for your QB two? You said, All right, I want a guy from from this range. Because you had the twelfth pick and you took Trevor Lawrence. I had the tenth pick and I took Justin Herbert. So obviously we, we both wanted one potentially great uh quarterback. And, you know, like I said, nine quarterbacks went around one. You had the ninth one. Richardson, surprisingly to me anyway, went ahead of Trevor Lawrence. But actually, you know, two questions. If Richardson had not gone ahead of Trevor Lawrence, if Lawrence had gone eleventh uh, to Schaefer, who would you have taken in the first round? Would you have taken a quarterback with one of those first two picks? You went Lawrence and Kelsey, and then yeah, the second question was you ended up with Russell Wilson in round four, the very beginning of round four. Did you have a range that you were looking at for your QB two? Yeah, it was the um, it was the uh, Russell Wilson, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones. You know, I wanted one of those guys. You know, I, I'm, I'm going out of order, but. Yeah. Uh, Jared Goff, you know, one of those guys to sort of, okay, now I, I have a, a obviously limitations, you know, because we, we know that those guys don't have the top, I shouldn't say it because Geno Smith is the top five guy, but you know, you know, what I'm getting at they, they don't yeah. have what you feel going into the season as the, the, the safe top 10 floor. And I, I think to get Russell Wilson after, you know, not taking a second quarterback, I was, I was pretty pleased with that. Uh, to answer your question, what I would have done is I think in this type of format for right now, and I'm curious Thomas's take on this because he, you know, obviously went back with another quarterback in, in round two. Um, I think Richardson's a little risky, you know, again, but as I wrote in the story, you know, if you're going to try and win a league, he is going to be the type of guy that helps you win a league, no matter what format it is. It's just a matter of, you know, where's the floor in this format when you know you don't necessarily have the fallback options because there's not going to be a lot of backup quarterbacks. So. You know, I think to invest so heavily in him, you almost have to maybe go a little bit earlier as a third quarterback as opposed to what Thomas did with only Sam Howell. Uh, we have a comment. L. Scouser says he's never played Superflex, but it's an interesting format. It's awesome. Play it. Uh, I got to get Schaefer on here because I got to make fun of him for something. Uh, Schaefer, this is, this is pretty terrific. So you had Jamar Jefferson instead of Justin Jefferson at round three. Uh, who did Jamie pick? In round five, because it looks like he got a total steal with Cooper Cup. Oh, Cumb. yeah. That was probably Amari Cooper. Yeah, I think that was probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's tough. Schaefer has to do this manually. So um, why don't you just real quick tell us why you took Anthony Richardson instead of Trevor Lawrence? Uh, I just think his ceiling's higher just with his rushing ability, because if they do the whole read option thing with, um, you know, Jalen Hurts with the Eagles and they have, you know, uh, Jonathan Taylor was so great two years ago. So or a year ago, whatever. <clears throat> I think it could be like, you know, him getting a bunch of goal line carries and stuff. And even if you look back and go back to my my uh, my Florida days with Tim Tebow, he was a great fantasy guy and he would never throw the ball. He, he's, he had like 19, 20 point games when you only throw like three or four passes. So I'm just thinking like. Richardson could get a bunch of a lot of easy carries with that read option. Yeah, it's interesting though because in a super flex league where you don't really have any waiver wire depth, you know, you can't just go get a quarterback. Did you you have to you'd have to say Lawrence has a higher floor than Anthony Richardson, but obviously that didn't that wasn't a factor for you. No, because I mean it's a mock draft, so I just really wanted to see how my team went out if I were to really do this in a in a uh paid league. Um, and I, th I really like my team. I generally don't wait on receivers like I did, but all these like um, all these running backs that are generally like the workhorses, like Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, potentially Damian Pierce. 
I thought that I, I just had to take them because there's really no competition but 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 um, behind them. Um, so then I just waited on receiver and then just loaded up as many as I could. Jamie, which Gators could Schaefer have picked that he didn't pick? Because he has Richardson and Damian Pierce. So did did he miss any? I mean, Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you could. When did when did Pitts go? You definitely could have made a play for Kyle Pitts. I've had Kyle Pitts on my team like the last two years, so I'm kind of done with him. Like I'll wait for somebody else, and if you know if he's great, then you know I'll take the L there. But I've I've bought bought him at the high stock the last two years, and really hasn't done much for me. Kadarius Tony, when did he go? Mm, yeah, I could have done that. Uh, yeah, he would have worked look good on your team because you didn't take a wide receiver until round seven. You ended up with Deontay Johnson, Mike Williams, Marquise Brown, Jamison Williams, Cortland Sutton, Alan Lazard, and Isaiah That's not bad. Hodgins. That's not bad. Um, all right. So, yeah, let's just ra- wrapping it up with the, the Superflex. My two quarterbacks, or my three quarterbacks are Herbert, Jordan Love, who I took in round six. I got a little lucky there because they were almost about, about 18 picks in between quarterbacks. Derek Carr, 16 picks. Derek Carr went off the board, and then 16 picks later, Jordan Love. So um, if it wasn't him, like the next quarterback drafted was C.J. Stroud. Um, then there's like Garoppolo. and Anyway, I was happy to get him. And Matthew Stafford. Uh, one thing I like to do is, I didn't do it in this draft. It wasn't really an opportunity. But if you don't love your quarterback situation, this isn't even, it doesn't matter. Try to take four if you can. They are incredible capital during the season. As soon as one or two quarterbacks get hurt, if you have a reliable one on your bench, you can turn that quarterback into a much better player at a different position than what would have been available to you in the draft at that time. Final thought, Jamie? I think Dan's draft is off in the draft board as I'm looking at it. Yes. Who did he take? I think he went three quarterbacks in a row. No, he didn't take Russell Wilson because you took Russell Wilson. I have Russell Wilson. So Dan in the third round. I'll tell you who he took. Picked. Schaefer, you can update that. Dan took Garrett Wilson. Garrett, oh, Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, uh, so I, you know, when I got to Trevor Lawrence, I was debating, you know, the next two quarterbacks for me are Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson. And I thought Dak Prescott getting to the end of round two was pretty impressive, especially going like Marone taking Tua over Dak is risky. Uh, Dan taking Aaron Rodgers over Dak to me is risky. So Dak falling as far as he did, you know, I thought that was incredible value. So for me, what I did was um, when I took Lawrence, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to go back-to-back quarterbacks yet. And when I took Kelsey, I was like, you know, I'm just going to basically go zero RB um, for the most part. So you see my team, it was uh, Lawrence and Russell Wilson went to my first four picks, then Kelsey, Waddle, Amari Cooper, and DJ Moore. You know, so before I took a running back, which was um, one, two, three, four, five, so round seven. You know, before I took a running back. Now it's a little bit exaggerated, obviously, with the quarterbacks. You know, in terms of how you're drafting this, but to still come away with Cam Akers and David Montgomery, I was you know pretty thrilled about that. And then Desmond Ritter as third quarterback. So I threw a little bit more capital at, at running back as the draft went on. You know, taking guys like Roshan Johnson. Um, I don't think Alexander Madison gets to where he gets. You know, in this draft, if there's you know news updated, but you know to still have him as the third option is is pretty good. But um, I was I was really thrilled with my draft. I think we should talk about you. You wanted to bring up Chris's team, which I didn't really spend a lot. Of time oh yeah, with, I'm sorry. I did want to bring that up. It's I think it stood out to you. Risky strategy here because he took Lamar Jackson uh, ninth overall. Did not take another quarterback until round ten. 
and that was Trey Lance. Then he took Baker Mayfield in round 11. So, look, he's got he's got Tony Pollard, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, Joe Mixon, Michael Stevenson. Oh, sorry, Mondre Stevenson, Michael Pittman, Tyler Lockett. I don't like I mean, I knew Chris was going to do this. It's just my issue with Chris with this strategy. I don't like to talk about it when he's not on cuz he could defend it. Uh is that look, Trey Lance is a really interesting pick. That that could be a league winning pick. Baker Mayfield sucks. Lance might be a backup. So he might have one, you know, he has Lamar Jackson and and then and Baker Mayfield will be his super flex. Um I just feel like when he took Samaje P Ryan, he could have taken Matthew Stafford. And maybe he hates Matthew Stafford, I don't know. When he took uh yeah, that like, like I just I feel like he could have gone a little bit less of this strategy and had a well, safer team without with still still having Cup and Pollard and Stevenson and Mixon. Like, how much do you need? You know, you could have you can wait a little bit. I don't know why he waited so long. Well, I, I think it's kind of twofold here, and I think it's worth comparing to Heath's team because there's some similarities. And this is almost like you would say a hero RB strategy. It's like a hero quarterback strategy. You know, so he has Lamar Jackson, which we would all say is somebody we would covet in this format, right? And then yes. you know. What does he need from a second quarterback? So, you know, like Heath has no one right now that's a Lamar Jackson. But then you start to compare their rosters. I mean, the running backs, I would say Heath probably has, a, um, excuse me, I would say probably there's an advantage to Chris knowing that how ADP tells us, or at least how I have it ranked. Chris has Pollard way. and Stevenson and Mixon. Yeah, that, Heath has Jacobs, Miles Sanders, and Gibson. And Antonio Gibson. Yeah. You know, so backfield, I think, is is in his favor. Now, Heath, I think, has a better receiving core, but it's not by far, especially if Hopkins is Hopkins, you know, so you start to just compare these teams. Now I do think the one thing about this and just since somebody had referenced in the chat, they've never played Superflex before. You don't have to play two quarterbacks, you know, sure. so let, let's just say Mixon stays in Cincinnati, no issues. And Samaj P Ryan is for six weeks, the starter in Denver. That's the route he's going. You know, eh, he's, that's he's, not a good he, route. Well, if he's getting, let's just say on average, Let's just say Samaj P. Ryan is the guy in Denver. Would it be a stretch to say he's getting 14 or 15 points per game there? No, but that's terrible from your super flex. Well, if you're starting to compare it to, let's, again, go to Heath's team. You know, if he's starting Jimmy Garoppolo and Mac Jones, Mac Jones has averaged 13 points or less at the quarterback position for the last two seasons. I don't know why you know, Heath drafted Mac Jones. Like, you got, you, you got Garoppolo, you got Pickett. What was the point of drafting Mac Jones? You know, like, you what know it, well, I mean, you just said take a fourth quarterback. So he had really none. So and he then he took needs, Will Levis. He's five. I mean, right, I, but, I guess so, but it's like that. I almost feel like Heath would have been better taking a, a position player. You know, a non-quarterback position player was this baseball? Uh, a skill position player, non-quarterback that had a lot of upside that he could potentially trade. Mac Jones is not. I don't think going to do anything on his roster. I don't know. It just it just feels like overkill. It just feels like proving a point. Like, hey, I'm gonna wait so long on quarterback. I, it's fine in a mock draft. I personally wouldn't do it. And the difference between hero RB and hero quarterback, obviously, is that the hero RB strategy is like, well, you play the waiver wire, you pick up injury replacements, and those guys can have huge weeks. You can't do that in a super flex league at quarterback. No, no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that to make a one to one comparison. I was. I was just saying, like, you know, he, uh, Chris, excuse me. He went with the quarterback early, and that's okay. I'm just going to try and you know maybe do something similar to what Heath did, but there weren't just enough guys. You know, I don't know if you if Kyle Trask got drafted in this league. I, I can't see the board closely enough. Um, but you know, you're you're, yes, you're at least 
locking up, you know, a, a quarterback situation. Like for, for Keith, for example, I would have probably preferred Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis. I know he didn't have that opportunity to, because I think Tannehill went in the same round that he drafted Mac Jones and then he took Will Levis afterwards. But at least, you know what, you know, you know the point I'm getting at, you know, you like, and Thomas may, you know, if we were playing this out, you know, go get Gardner Minshew just in case, you know, get, get some, something, you know, I, I think when you start to look at who are the, the, upside number two quarterbacks like Mike White was drafted in this league that makes sense to us you know got concussion issues and Mike White had some decent fantasy production so you know why not stash that type of player on your bench to a manager or not you know like I think Marone for example who's got a solid team to go with just two quarterbacks is risky you know that's just not the, the right approach when you draft Tua so you know I, I mean again there there are so many um so many different scenarios to how this all goes you know, when you, when you put these type of leagues together, but I think in Chris's, you know, defense, if Mayfield's 16, 17 points, the rest of his roster should be pretty solid. If Lamar Jackson is doing what he's doing as your lead quarterback. All right. That's our Superflex draft. Check it out on our website, cbsports.com slash fantasy slash football. Your email is fantasy football at cbsi.com. This one comes from Alex in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. Dear Chase, William, Kyle, and Alex, we're not going to get that. That is Hendrick Motorsport Drivers from NASCAR. Who should I keep? 12-team half PPR league. I can keep as long as I want for a two-round penalty each year until they reach the second round. So uh, Isaiah Pacheco in the 14th. Brandon Ayuk in the 7th. Dallas Goddard in the 5th. Kadarius Toney in the eighth, Jahan Dotson in the twelfth, and Deontay Johnson in the fourth round. I don't know how many he can keep. I'm guessing just one, but maybe how, who are your two favorites in this format? You lose two rounds every year, but you can keep them forever until they reach the second round. I always wonder when we get these questions when they're not in the order of their draft. Is that their preference? Like, here's what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? Right. You know, and well, I like hope Pacheco not. is it. Because Dotson to me is the slam dunk. He was the one that 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 stood out. But Pacheco's not bad. I mean, if he no. hits, you know, in round fourteen, and we're we're talking half PPR, right? You said so. Yeah. Um, you know, so it changes things a little bit. But I think it's it's hard to overlook what Dotson could become, especially uh, if you can. Maybe it is Pacheco, Jamie. Maybe you're right. I don't know. Well, you know, I I think the thing with Dotson is, if you're talking round twelve this year, and they struggle through Sam Howell, and they you know maybe new ownership new coach, all those things. Then they get a quarterback and you have Dotson round 10, you know, where he could be a steal round eight, the year after that, if the quarterback is good, who knows? But yeah, I would, I would probably lean my, the two that stood out to me were Pacheco and Dotson. So, yeah. you know, yeah. if, if, if we want to agree on Pacheco to make it easy, I would agree. I would yeah. I think like Pacheco. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think Dotson probably has a, a brighter future, but that's okay. I mean, yeah, those two are the best uh, from Justin. Which side do you like better in a PPR league? Saquon Barkley and Cortland Sutton or Miles Sanders and Jalen Waddle? Oh, Sanders and Waddle. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're, you're talking about two easy starters without question. Sutton is a questionable starter. Um, and as good as Barkley is, you know, Waddle is not far behind as a player, fantasy player. And this is from Matt from the canoe capital of Canada. <laughs> no idea. Dear Daniels, Broyles, 
Zavala and Thordak. Are those hockey players? Professional canoers? Maybe. Let's see. Let's see. I have no idea. Um, I'm in an eight-team dynasty league. I have a surplus of wide receivers, and I'm looking to trade for a tight end. I'm trying to target TJ Hawkinson. So it's Is it eight team or eighteen? Eight teams in okay. a dynasty league, and he has he start three wide receivers. He has Jefferson, Waddle, Garrett Wilson, Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, Christian Watson, and Amari Cooper, and he has David Njoku. Okay, trying to get Hawkinson. So all right, we're not going to touch. Jefferson, Waddle, or Garrett Wilson. The other or Watson. Four, or Watson. Okay. The other three are Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, and Amari Cooper, and he has David Njoku. So what kind of trade would you try to make for Hawkinson? I mean, I think any of the other receivers and, and Njoku might should be able to get it done if the if the Hawkinson manager is having some some receiver issues. You know, maybe you have to make it a little bit broader, throw in a draft pick, maybe get a draft pick back. But I think if you pair Keenan Allen and Njoku. Should be able to get it done. Maybe Godwin's the route to go because he's younger and somebody you know still covets the hopeful upside, which I, I I would I would say there is still upside with Godwin. So you know Godwin Njoku for Hawkinson and maybe uh, a second round rookie pick. You know start there and see if that might be able to get it done. Would you trade Watson straight up for for Mark Andrews if he wanted to go that route? Christian Watson for in, in an eighteen league, yes. You know because you know I I think you're still getting a premier player at a, at a uh, in the prime of his career, you know, and so while you might be losing out on what Watson could become, you know, Andrews is uh, uh, as close to a stud at his position as anybody. That is it for today's show. Thank you to Jamie, to Thomas Schaefer, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. We got Heath coming on with the Dynasty show. By the way, uh, we are doing a startup Dynasty League uh, that we're going to talk about. I was going to try to come on the show tomorrow, but I can't. So I think hopefully next Tuesday we're going to come up with some rules. Um, that should be fun. Uh, I think we might be giving away a spot, so don't don't ask for it now. Just wait. I'll give you the details. And uh, and that's it. So Dynasty tomorrow, back on Wednesday. I'll be back with Dave and Heath, I believe, for a uh, low floor discussion. And then Thursday is the live mock draft. Now you know our schedule. Have a great day, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.